Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who is abroad in New Zealand. What's going on, John? Good. Not much. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Um, yeah, doing good. Weather has gotten cloudy here, but yeah, it was good New Year's. Yeah. Recording this on January 1st, 2021 in New York, the correct time zone. Well, you are a day ahead. So you've had January more second. of this. You've had more of this 2021 experience than I have so far. Uh, what what does the future have in store for us? Again, what it has in store for you in the U.S., I cannot predict. <laughs> I can. It, I have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. Look, looking at looking at what's happening in the news and what's going to happen on January 6th, mm-hmm. and Alec Baldwin's wife not actually being Hispanic, there's it's a madness in the U.S. Wait, what? <laughs> Alec Baldwin, what about? Hang on you a second. You didn't hear that story. Go search that story. Bring it up for media therapy. Um, search that. But yeah, look, I mean, it's things are going good here in New Zealand. We'll see how it goes. I think my prediction is that the first half of 2021 is going to be a lot like 2020. And then you hope that things start to get going again back in June. That's my hope. Um, travel. Summer comes around in the U.S. People have been vaccinated. People can kind of go on with with you know the presidency has been stabilized the u.s government has been stabilized for six months uh that's generally the hope but i think the first six months in the u.s are gonna be rough i'd hold on to your hold on to your butts if i were you yeah i i think i think january is gonna be bad well i know january is gonna be bad Mm -hmm. and then i think it's it's gonna be upswing from there so this is like this is the hangover month, right? We we just spent a year drinking. And, you know, just like just like a hangover, relatively speaking, you're not gonna you're not gonna just come out of it in a uh in just one fell swoop. The fact that it's the day after yesterday does not mean that everything's gonna be magically cured. We still have a bunch of fucking morons in this country and they are not going away. So Everything. Fortunately, we don't have any major holidays in the next 30 days, 60 days, or any, actually. The next major holiday would be Easter, I'll say. And Wait a minute. Surge, isn't, isn't Martin Luther King Day a, a major holiday? I mean, I mean uh, holidays that um, encourage gathering. That's what I mean. Okay, fair enough. Because you're right. I don't want to undermine Martin Luther King Day. You're right. Yeah, fair or enough. Or President's Day. Man, right? But, uh, pff, whatever. Val- Valentine's Day, right? Valentine's Day is going to be a big boom. It's not a gathering, though. It's like you're. It's it's one on one time, right? But you're not coming in contact with each other. Yeah, but it's not like, hey, everybody's going to come over to the family house, and we're all going to get together and eat dinner sure. because we have to. You know, sure. um, no one's no one's flying. I mean, some people might, but regardless, that's not until February anyway. So I guess by the end of January, we'll start seeing a dip in in cases, and that'll steadily decline through as people get vaccinated because the other problem is that vac- vaccinations are way behind and i got a story about vaccinations in here as well so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about yeah. that later yeah i mean this is just where things are things are going in the u.s like it just it's it's always been going this way this is this is the way that the story was being told come june last year just is what it is so at this point you just got to hold on and hope you don't catch it or hope you get vaccinated it's either or at this point hey but if you catch it, you get the antibodies right for six months, right? 
So you still need the vaccine regardless. And again, does the vaccine? They don't know how long long that lasts. They don't know. That's what I mean. Like you guys have really rolled the dice on this thing, which is, hey man, it's as much American as you can you can expect to be dead honest with you. It's just how we operate as Americans. It's just the way we think. I made the joke that the the only way out is through, and uh, it's it's the way that America does things. It just is. It's a cultural. It's really interesting to see culturally. That's just how we're built. I mean, it also explains why we were the most profitable nation probably ever, right? Of all time, there's not another. There's not another society or another nation like the Roman Empire was not as was not as prosperous as we were. The British Empire, while they conquered more stuff, they weren't as prosperous as we were. We've made more advancements in the last 100 years than they made probably the previous 1,000 years before that. Yeah. Well, they didn't have nukes, and they didn't have Amazon. And they didn't, yeah, those go a long way. They didn't have way. internet. <laughs> they didn't have internet. Yeah, exactly. Those are, uh, those are pretty big boons, if, you, if, you, if I do say so myself. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be weird. Um, how, how was your New Year's, though? New Year's was good. Went to friend's house and with about five, six, seven people. So it's nice and quiet. And then got home and slept in. And yeah, that was it. New Year's was pretty was pretty chill. Rang in the New Year with family on the East Coast, which was fun. Um, even though it was six PM here. <laughs> so like yeah i'm like yeah new year's is about almost 18 hours done but yeah i'll sit here on a zoom call and say happy new year with you why not so yeah but yeah new year's was very good and i'm looking forward to 2021 2021 should be a very exciting year um because as far as new zealand is concerned we're you know this is going to be extremely this is new zealand's going to be very profitable as the rest of the world is really struggling which is good and bad but yeah i think it's going to be pretty good yeah well we'll uh We'll see. Uh, one one can hope that by the end of 2021, we're looking back and be like, "Woo, we made it!" And things are great. And you could pile in all those people in Times Square and just wonder how how they go to the bathroom if you're not allowed to leave. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, really we figured that I one mean, out. I've got two questions for you as far as this New Year's concerned. Sure. What are you looking forward to the most? Travel. Like, like just what do you travel, right? It's the same thing with me. Like I'm looking forward to at some point in September, October and just being able to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you this year, right? Huh? Come on. Yeah, you get vaccinated. You're more than welcome. Just <laughs> just don't just don't bring that mess here. You have to just have to hope that uh just have to hope that the you don't have to sit here in quarantine for two weeks. Exactly. Because then That's that kind of right. ruins the point of coming here at all. So that would ruin that would ruin a vacation. That's very, very true. Yeah, looking forward to that, and honestly, looking forward to uh, just like going to a bar. I'm not a big drinker. I like I like a cocktail bar, but just like going out, the you know you think about the little things. So that that's kind of what I'm. I mean, that's like micro macro macro, definitely travel micro, just going out, hanging out with friends, and not. And not thinking much of it. It's awesome to think going out is I don't mind putting on a mask, but I also it it, it is another thing, you know, like I'll, I'll have lazy days in, you know, pre pando where I'm like, God, I don't want to go out because then I have to get dressed and put my shoes on and shower and do all this other shit. It's like it's just another thing on top of it. Where 
to think that just run out and be like, oh, yeah, I just need to go to the store and get this thing. It's like, all right, about to step out the door. Oh, do I have my mask? It's just like another thing. And to not have to think about that would be great because yeah, uh, those, because those things driving. itch after uh, once once those things stay on for a while, they kind of itch your face. Yeah. And especially in New York, right? It's not, not like you're driving. You can just leave a pack in your car, <laughs> right? It's yeah, like you kind of exactly. need to have it on you, which is just yeah. different. But again, look, I mean, me and you have traveled enough to know this is what you do in Japan. You're, when you're feeling sick, you put on a mask. And that is where we're headed just right. But it's not all the time. But it's not all the time, right? Which is what you're sort exactly. of hoping is that all the time use gets done. But I think you're going to have to, if you're coughing, you should probably wear a mask and you should probably not yep. go to work, which is the I agree. Point. Yeah. So a hundred percent, but we're in this weird space now. And that's, that's the biggest, honestly, if COVID-19 was not in asymptomatic disease, like if you obviously it becomes symptomatic, but if you were not able to transmit it while being asymptomatic, none of this would have happened the way it has. That's the biggest difference between this and any other illness we've had. So what you're saying is if every time you got sick, you knew it, right? Like there was just a big light bulb that went above your head that people would or take you coughed. seriously. Yeah. Absolutely. I think if that was the case, then why would everybody need to wear a mask? It would be like only wear a mask if you're not feeling well or stay home. You would actually be able to identify somebody because the second somebody coughs in a in a in a train and they're not wearing a mask, you'd, you know, you'd beat that person to death and then you'd move on with the day. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's the sad part about this because you don't know the long-term effects. Even if you've been asymptomatic, you don't know what that's going to do the next time you catch the flu, right? Like you just don't know. You don't know how it's affected your immune system. You don't know. And we won't know until probably the next three, four years when it can actually be studied long-term, right? So, yeah. Exactly, because it's like it causes clotting and all this other stuff. It's uh, yeah, yeah. You don't know, and you don't know. Like, a, yeah. a congressman, a um, a two B congressman, just died. Yeah, I saw that, and he was like forty one. Yeah, but it's a hoax. It's a liberal hoax. So now so, the other fun. question that I want to bring up is because I made a New Year's resolution last year. I, I've made a New Year's resolution every year, right, for the most part, and I tend to be pretty good sticking to them, right? Like, heck, I made a resolution not to eat meat. And I still not eating meat. <laughs> like I tend to be pretty good with resolutions, right? So last year, my resolution was about media, right? And social media specifically. Mm-hmm. I picked a hard year to do that as far as media is concerned, right? So I would say that's probably not as successful as normal, right? Like I I was reading the AP, but then like then the pandemic hit and you kind of needed to know what was happening, right? And even with the election coverage, like I stayed away from a lot of it, but I still, you still end up getting wrapped into it a bit. Now, what I did completely succeed was was social media, right? So, like, use Instagram for a year, right? So, I installed Instagram back on my phone, and it's good to see that nothing has changed. <laughs> like, literally, it's the same thing. It's just like it's 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 very weird how you look at it. And you're like, well, there's nothing new or innovative here. There's no new topics really. It's the same crap that's on Instagram that was there in 2019. Nothing has changed. How dare you? So I don't really because miss that, but this some, year some, something has changed. What's changed? Okay, you making pancakes, but you don't post. That's anything. right. Yeah, you're right. But you know, but you but not, I also haven't been doing anything else, so how can I? Yeah. Now, look. I, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of this is because the change is happening on TikTok, which I am not on. I don't really understand TikTok, and I'm not going to pretend that I do. Um, it's videos and things, and I don't really watch. I tend to use my phone on silent. Because I work, <laughs> right? Because when you're used to working in an office, your phone's never out of silent mode. 
So I'm not going to watch TikTok videos. It's just not. It's it's not how I consume media. Um, so yeah, I don't have a resolution this year. And I'm trying to think of one. I can't. So this just might be the year where you go, you know, maybe just make it through 2021 and come up with a resolution for next year. Okay. So you're skipping? I, I'm trying to think of one. Do you have any suggestions for you? Because you're not a resolutions person. No, I'm not. Um and my thing with resolutions is it was funny. So I was actually talking to my dad about this earlier. He's like, you have any, you have any, uh, resolutions for this year? And I was like, uh, you know, it's like anything else. I don't, I don't really find much sentiment in like markers in the sand of, Oh, it's my, it's my birthday. So I got to do this thing or it's this day. So I got to do this thing. It's like, if I'm going to do something, I should probably just do it. I shouldn't find myself like i guess i i understand i suppose it like kind of time boxes you but you know then it also sets yourself up for failure and failure is bad so <laughs> but I, I i for the most part don't have them but for you i'd do the opposite i'd say uh, eat meat every day this year that sounds awful <laughs> well not specifically the same type of meat you know just uh appreciate nature in a different way and have a have an animal every day. Buy a dog. How about that? New Year's resolution: get a pet. I have That's a not pet. a cat. No, not that <laughs> one. A real pet. A real pet. <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah. So look, if you can think of a resolution for me, people out there listening, let me know. Send them through. I'm. I'm willing to look at all different types of resolutions. There's things I'd like to do, but for me, a resolution is a long term, consistent, daily thing. It's not like I have a resolution that I'm going to get a haircut. Like, that's not a resolution. That's just something you're going to do where it's a long-term goal that, and again, I I stick to resolutions for the most part. I've stuck to almost all my resolutions. Like, even when I did, like, no sugar for a long time, like, I did that pretty consistently, pretty well. I mean, and you did it as well. You did it for a short amount of time. But long-term goals of just- Yeah, and I just did that because I felt like it. Yeah, which again, which is which is which is fine. I tend to like using the beginning of the year because I can think about it. Because when I'm not, because when I'm working, I don't have time to think about you know these types of things personally. I just tend to be like you're sitting around not doing much, so it gives you time to think, which is nice. How about a how about a journal? Keep a journal, like a written journal, every day. Yeah, I thought about that, but I'm not much of a writer, so I'd have to type it. That's and it's just. Yeah, yeah, but again, that, that doesn't really that really strike me as something to do. That one second app that your friend does. Yeah, the one second every day. I guess the problem is my life's just a little too boring. <laughs> it's like it's just that, not, but like, there you go. If you more. if you do the one second a day thing, then it can encourage you to do something that's not boring, even if it's just for one second. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Again, I'll think about it. But if you're out there and you're you've got a good resolution for me, let me know. Yeah. Take right. suggestions. Make better pancakes than me. Good fucking luck. <laughs> oh, I bet you I could. I mean, I, I don't think you'd stand a chance if I really put my mind to making pancakes. I think. You'd oh, be really? Good. Yeah, I really do. Sorry. <laughs> I have. You, um, yeah, I mean, what else? What else do you cook? That's the problem. Like, you're not really uh, like you do pancakes well, but you, you like have you ever made a biscuit? That's not in a, like have you ever made a scone? Have you ever ever changed your? You, what's with you and uh, why did you go to biscuits and scones? Those are very. I'm, I'm similar just thinking of other. I'm thinking of other breakfast type of pastries. Oh, I got right? French toast. I got I got a few French toasts under my belt. 
Yeah, but it, it just I don't. I mean, they're my favorites, and, and it's hard to it's hard to judge other than presentation because we live so far away. True. Well, I can give you the recipe for my uh, for my bomb ass matcha mochi pancakes. I guess the difference is I'd be able to make vegan pancakes that actually taste good. I'd love to. I'd love to see them. I'll try them if you could perfect a vegan pancake recipe. I will. I could be your taste tester and tell you why they're not good. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing. If you only compare them to pancakes, I'll like, be honest. it needs to taste exactly like a pancake. It's like it might no, taste- no, no. It doesn't have to taste exactly like a pancake. Yeah. It just has to taste good. Oh, then that I can definitely do. That I can a hundred percent do. Okay, it's on. Yeah, I, I, because I, I think I was, I've come close. I've made a because my peanut butter pancakes are basically vegan. What's in them that's not vegan? Peter Peter Butter Pancake would be your wrestling name, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the peanut butter, uh, like the peanut butter Falcon, but I'm yeah, the peanut butter pancake. Peanut butter pancake. <laughs> yeah, better. It's like it's just a stage name in general. Yes, that's your stage name. If you ever have a live act, it's going to be Peter Butter Pancake. I got a few of those. That's one of them. Um, I made a. Um, I, th- I think I told you when I made a. Um, like a hot, uh, hot matcha chocolate, hot chocolate, like a hot matcha chocolate. I don't even know how the hell you say it, but it really ended up being just like a hot matcha ganache. And I was like, that would be my stage name. It'd be hot matcha ganache. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's the thing. It's like, I don't like matcha. So, that's fine. Like, yeah. Like, but I, anyway, I'm trying to think my peanut butter pancakes that I made were not, those, those were vegan. Cause they I think I dairy in it. No, because I substituted the eggs with peanut butter and I used oat milk. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing else in there. Oh, butter. I guess I put butter in there, but you don't really need butter. You could use plant-based butter if you want to, or just no butter. You just lose the the deliciousness to it. So send me the recipe for your peanut butter pancake and I'll make something better than that. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I got a, I have a Twitter handle called, uh, and I was going to do something with it, but I need to find like people who would be willing to join this endeavor because it requires multiple people to do. I got the Twitter handle called uh, Breck Face Off. And the whole idea was going to be a bunch of um, like kind of chopped style, pick a theme, ingredient, whatever, and then have just uh, Instagram polls for the winner and for, uh, for the two competing for winners and losers. That's yeah. the general idea. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think if it came to if I really got into cooking, which I again I already cook, I already cook, but I if I really took it to that level of like science experiment type of cooking where you just literally look at flavors instead of oh, like an ingredient, like instead of recipes, like you go, I've got these five ing- ingredients and I'm gonna put these flavors together. That's how you master cooking, where you can pretty much cook with anything. Um yeah, maybe maybe I'll do something. But I guess the thing is that I already cook a bunch, so it's not that different. Like, it would have to be doing, like, making a different meal every day. But, man, that's a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a lot of work. Because you find that you have the easy ones that you could default to, and they're just so easy. Yeah, because especially when you're busy, right? Like, if I wasn't busy, like, I'd have to take a year off and do this. <laughs> like, where you just literally, you're just like, I'm just going to cook all day. Like uh, salmon. Salmon is the easiest thing in the world to cook. Ah, you can mess up a salmon though. You can dry out a salmon. Yeah, I've done it. But even then, dry salmon is still tastes fine. 
it's not awful. It's still edible. I mean, the easiest thing in the world to cook is is like a steak. I really do. Like it's yeah, really it's pretty hard to mess up a steak, even if you and especially if you like all different grades of steak. It's really hard to mess it up, other than maybe overcooking it. And I think it's really hard to overcook a steak. It's like two minutes, two minutes. Like that's it, and it's still good. The Alton Brown method. I'm uh, I'm making a steak tonight. I'm very excited. I got a I haven't had a steak a in wow, probably about two and a half years. So sorry. I have a I have a New York strip. Very excited about it. Yeah, because I, I would say the last time I had a steak was probably in Japan. Was probably in Kyoto. When did we go to Kyoto? Yeah, that was like uh, two and a half years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't believe. So it. again, I've I've eaten meat because I had a bit of meat. Really, like when we went to it's because it's hard in Japan not to eat some type of meat. Right, pretty much ate seafood. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, when we went, yeah, which was was that last year or two years ago? It was two years ago. ago. Yes, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Two years ago was the last time that I'd. Yeah, <laughs> wow, that's it's pretty nuts. Last year. 2020 was like a, it never felt long. Like it was always like, it it felt like a blip, but thinking back, like, oh my God, that was a year of time and it's just gone. It's just such a waste of a year. I mean, in a way that couldn't really do much, like you could progress personally, I guess. But the fact that, yeah, all those trips and everything, it was at least a year ago. Like it doesn't feel that long ago. But the fact that now that when it hits February, like the problem with that, right? It's, it's, it's just a forgettable year, like forgettable from a day to day basis is the problem. It's not forgettable from like a world event problem, right? Like when someone asked you in 20 years, do you remember 2020? And it's like, yeah, that's the year of the pandemic. And that's the year Trump got defeated. Like that's like literally like there's two giant events, I think, for most people. That's what set the the dominoes to making Trump king. Yeah, or ruler, dictator of the world. (laughs) But, like, that's it. But, like, on your day-to-day basis of things that you did, it all runs together for me. There's a big block of time of four or five months that I just boil down to one day, really, because the days are all the same, Um, which is the problem where you're like, yeah, you remember the pandemic, but do you remember, like, what happened in the middle of March? Like, no. Middle of April? No. Same. May? Same. June? Same. And we're we're very fortunate to be able to look at it that way, you especially being in New Zealand, but myself, you know, being able to keep working and not being unemployed and all those other things. Like I feel for those people because so for them, it is yeah, very I much a, a really good, like it's like I, my year was very good. Like bought a house, made some big life steps for me personally. 2020 was great. Um, but that's not the same for, I would say the majority of people did not have a great 2020. Either you caught the virus and you got sick or you had family members pass away or you lost your job, or you weren't able to see family, all those types of things, right? Where me and you are in very privileged position. So, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, should we move on to some, uh, to some news here? Let's do it. All right, cool. I'm going to give you a choice. I recommend, I'll, but it comes with a recommendation. So I will recommend we start with this first story about... Uh, about an asshole, but and because it's COVID related, sure. And then I also have a story about birds and a story about dogs. Let's just do that order. I like it. All right, let's do it. Reading from the AP, my validating source of news. 
you know, I get when I get I get alerts from two sources on my phone. One is CNN, one is AP. So I get that fake news, and then I get the AP who tells me, "No, that was real." I'm like, "Okay, thanks, great." Here we go. Wisconsin hospital worker arrested for spoiled vaccine doses. Have you heard about this? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god this this is why we're fucked. This is America, why we're this fucked. is why America is going to ruin the rest of us. Reading from Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin also. Um, home of the first senator who said he's going to challenge the uh, electoral uh, count. So a lot, lot of fun stuff happening in Wisconsin. Maybe that was Minnesota. I don't know. Whatever. Fuck that guy. Authorities arrested a, s- a suburban Milwaukee pharmacist Thursday suspected of deliberately ruining hundreds of doses of coronavirus vaccine by removing them from refrigeration for two nights. The arrest marks another setback in what has been a slower, messier start to vaccinate Americans than public health officials had expected. Leaders in Wisconsin and other states have been begging the Trump administration for more doses as healthcare workers and senior citizens line up for the life-saving vaccine. Police in Grafton, about 20 miles, 32 kilometers north of Milwaukee, said the advocate Aurora Health Pharmacist was arrested on suspicion of reckless endangerment adulterating a prescription drug and criminal damage to property, all felonies. The pharmacist has been fired and police said in a news release that he was in jail. Police did not identify the pharmacist saying he has not yet been formally charged. His motive remains unclear. Police said that detectives believe he knew the spoiled doses would be useless and people would receive and people who received them would mistakenly think they've been vaccinated when they hadn't advocate. Aurora Health Care Chief Medical Group Officer Jeff Barr. You need an acronym. Get an acronym, guys. <laughs> Jeff Barr told told reporters during a teleconference Thursday afternoon that the pharmacist deliberately removed 57 vials that held hundreds of doses of the Moderna vaccine from refrigeration at a Grafton Medical Center overnight on December 24th into December 25th, returned them, and left them out again on the night of December 25th into Saturday. The vials contained enough doses to inoculate 570 people. The pharmacy technician discovered the vials outside the refrigerator on Saturday morning. Barr said the pharmacist initially said that he had removed the vials to access other items in the refrigerator and had inadvertently failed to put them back. The Moderna vaccine is viable for 12 hours outside refrigeration, so workers used that vaccine to inoculate 57 people before discarding the rest. Police said the the discarded doses were worth between $8,000 and $11,000. A lot more if you think about like other reciprocal other like issues that result from the damage he did. Yeah, for sure. Barr said health officials grew more suspicious of the pharmacist as they reviewed the incident. After multiple interviews, the pharmacist acknowledged Wednesday that he had removed the vaccine intentionally over the two nights, Barr said. That means that the doses people received Saturday are all but useless, he said. Moderna has told Aurora that there's no safety concerns, but the hospital system is closely monitoring the people who received the spoiled doses, he said. Barr declined to comment on the pharmacist's motive. He said the hospital system security protocol are sound. Quote, this was a situation involving a bad actor, end quote, he said, quote, as opposed to a bad process, end quote. The number of COVID-19 cases in Wisconsin has been rising in, in recent days after dipping in early December. The State Department of Health Services reported 3,810 newly confirmed cases on Thursday, may, marking the third straight day of rising daily infections. 
the state has now seen 481,102 cases. This is one state for those who are listening outside of the country who are not aware. COVID-19 was a factor in 41 more deaths, pushing the state's overall death toll to 4,859. Again, one state. The survival rate remains unchanged at 99%. A little more than 47,150 people have been vaccinated in Wisconsin as of Monday morning, according to the latest data from the health agency. The state has been allocated 265,575, that's very specific, doses of both the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines as of Monday morning, only about 157,000 doses had arrived. Democratic Governor Tony Evers wrote a letter to President Trump earlier in December asking him to prioritize more doses for Wisconsin due to the high case numbers, swamped hospitals, and a lack of statewide mitigation mandates. That's the story. So yeah, we're fucked. Yeah, I don't know. And I guess this is part of the problem with the Moderna vaccine in the first place, right? Like this is this was everyone's worry about no the Pfizer you're thinking of the Pfizer one with the extreme no I thought the Pfizer one didn't need to be refrigerated I thought it was it was not it's the opposite needed. is it the opposite okay so never mind so, so Pfizer th- needs that extreme ref- they both yeah. need to be refrigerated Pfizer needs that extreme refrigeration gotcha so yeah so this is even worse then so like the fact that this dude took the vaccine that actually could withstand not being as freezing cold as the Pfizer one does. And this is this is part of this is people's worry about this vaccine, right? Because this isn't the first time you're going to hear about. I mean, not deliberately. This might be the only time you hear about it deliberately. But there's going to be there's going to be someone who makes a mistake, or a truck that's cooling breaks down, or any of these types of things that will ruin the. So, like this already is now going to cast more doubt into people's mind about whether or not the vaccine actually works, right? Because the last thing you want is to get a vaccine and you catch it anyways. This is just sabotage, though. And it, the guy probably has anti-vaxxer motives, you'd imagine. Like, what else could it be if you're deliberately sabotaging these So things? if you have anti-vaxxer motives, why are you a pharmacist? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> because like, why you would could you probably, go this route if you they, think that, like, there's other... Why would you get a pharmacy degree instead of a holistic medicine degree or something else, right? Like, the pharma- narrative behind this yeah. is... I don't think anybody's immune from disinformation or being indoctrinated with false information because the narrative behind this vaccine and the anti-vaxxers is that, oh my God, this has only been created in nine months and approved in nine months. Something's wrong. They don't know what's going on. So don't take it because you don't know what's going to happen. Meanwhile, it's not exactly true. The actual vaccine was made in two days. Uh, they they actually figured it out right away, and yeah, most of the time because it's based on other types of coronaviruses, and then the rest of the time has been trying to figure out whether or not it's safe. Yeah, the RNA, the uh, RNA vaccine method or whatever, however it is, has been established, and now it's like they were able to use it, uh, something like that. So the safety is there. They've been testing this thing for nine months, let not just creating it, be like, and it's done, and here it is. It's like no, that's why they have phase one, phase two, phase three testing. Uh, do you know what's going to happen in a year from now, two years from now? No, that's impossible. Yeah. But all signs are pointing to this thing being safe. But people don't really look past the you know, the surface level of what they see online. The fact that somebody says, oh, this thing was only made in nine months, so don't trust it. Enough people are going to believe that, even if it's not actually the case. And even if it was the case, even if it doesn't actually mean that there's a harm to you. Um, my... My mom was in a, uh, you know, as as a 
as a good Jew picking up uh, picking up Chinese food for the for the New Year's. Okay, and she said while she was waiting, somebody said uh, Happy New Year or something, 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 and don't take the vaccine because you know it's it's not safe or whatever. But you can. But I guess he went on to say you can take the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. That one will be fine. Meanwhile, they're all based on the exact same technology. Yeah, because people are just idiots. <laughs> they just are. Like people That's just what I'm saying. Yeah, they're susceptible. We're, we're there are enough people to just have a complete lack of critical thinking, where you can't, where you just don't, where where, where this stuff is. It doesn't matter. So you could tell somebody it could be safe. You could show Mike Pence and Joe Biden getting uh, getting the vaccine, and they'll still be like, "Meh, it's it's not safe." Don't take it. You're a guinea pig. It's like that, yeah. that old two old men just took it in front of you. The guys who are two of the most powerful people on the planet. And yeah, if it was unsafe, those guys would those guys would be the first to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I they Trump hasn't gotten it, but you know he's got I, the I think He doesn't need it. There's that, he'll, but also he'll get it as soon as he leaves office, because it's just he's too busy trying to overturn an election that he lost. So yeah, exactly, something like that. Yeah, it's it's a big mess. I can't wait. Give it to me as soon as possible. We've talked about this before. Yep. But yeah, I I do worry. Yeah. This is just one piece of the puzzle that's just going to set us back even more. It's only one guy, and it's only in quotes only 500 or so doses. But every dose counts at this point. And we're already behind vaccinations. They said they were going to have 20 million people vaccinated by the end of the year. And they're at like two and a half. So we are crawling to getting these things out the door. And we are really screwed. Like if, if things were on track, I, I, I was saying for a while that I think by April, we'll start seeing things start to return to normal, start to return to normal, not be normal, but at least start to really feel that upswing that I was talking about earlier. And at the rate things are going because we're in such a, because there's such a mess, there's so much misinformation out there, disinformation. I don't know what the difference is between the two, but we're, we're really fucked as a country. Like we are going to be left behind. It's June at the earliest. Like it just is. It's not April. It's not, it's June at the very earliest. Like we're going to be the black sheep. Like we are going to be, Trump's whole thing was American first, but this is this is America last in the biggest yeah. in the true sense of the world. And you try to go for this isolation, isolationist policy, and you will be isolated. Not yeah, in the yeah, way yeah. that you want to happen. Though. It's going to be isolated, and the rest of the world will realize that you don't need America to continue to live your life. Right? Like that's the difference. It's not that America America doing great helps everybody, mm-hmm. but. If you guys are going to keep doing this, we we will figure it out without you. Is yeah. going to be the consensus. Uh, if you go, you guys want to keep doing this, but look, I've got to hope that you give Joe Joe Biden the first six months. You get some different faces in there. The media coverage starts to change. Sure, Fox News and stuff will always be the ones banging the drum, but it's not as insane as it's been, right? Because people are starting to realize that some of the Trump stuff is just a little nutty. Like they were caught up in it. And now I would say the majority of the country thinks that what Trump is doing now is is wrong and insane. Yeah, I don't know, man. The majority of the company, the majority of the country voted him out. So I would say the majority thinks that him challenging the election is nonsense. The majority of the country, and not all of it, but the majority. Yeah, it's not. It's not a huge majority, though. It's It's not a huge uh, majority. 
majority though. Still, and it, yeah, it's like fifty one percent. So, <laughs> yeah, again, but this is but you hope that you get enough people in the room and your government actually listens to these people. And I mean, look, we'll see what happens next time we talk. Right, the Senate runoff is done by next week. Yes. Yeah, we'll know who. Uh, You'll who know. Won that. You'll know but real I, quick if whether or not the Democrats have enough power to actually make substantial change. Without you know, you can get a two thousand dollar refund check without Mitch McConnell standing in your way. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. But anyway, this was uh, this is a bit of a downer. It's uh, we're 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 kind of screwed. It just uh, follow up to the other stuff we were saying before. But anyway, that's uh, that's what's going on in the country. We're. Uh, falling behind and there's people sabotaging it and anyone anyone can be an anti-vaxxer even if you are in the pharmacy because you know you might have some friends who are telling you some stuff online i know i got a guy who knows alex jones and therefore he told me this thing and that's the truth this vaccine turns you into an alien pedophile oh okay cool how's that work rna okay Let's move on. Let's talk about some birds. This is a very quick one, but this is this is the one where while we were talking before, I started cackling when I read the headline. So I probably shouldn't, but here we are. Reading from this is a real website, wantedinrome.com. Is it sure it's a real website? Is it is it a reputable source for whatever you're about to read? Well, I guess we'll find out. Guess we'll find out. Here we go. I'm going to send you, I'm going to read the headline and then I'm going to send you the link so you can see these pictures. Rome Street covered in dead birds after New Year fireworks. <laughs> you probably just talk about it based on that, but I'll continue. It's very brief. <laughs> Deaths of birds occurred during Rome fireworks for New Year. Hundreds of dead birds covered a central Rome Street in the aftermath of last night's fireworks of for New Year. The birds, believed to be starlings, were found at the Termini, Termini train station, end of Via Termini. I'm not gonna say it that way. By a motorist, by a motorist who posted footage of a of the disturbing scene on YouTube. The disorient the disorientated birds startled by the explosions are thought to have died after flying into windows and high voltage electricity cables just after midnight. The incident occurred amid a new year firework ban, which was completely ignored as in previous years, leading to numerous cases of dogs running away from their homes in fear. That's the whole article. Wow. But yeah, that's a lot of this video. There are a lot of dead birds just lying in the streets. This guy's yeah. taking a video. He's panning around all over. Oh, my yeah, God. This video is awful. Like, dude, like, just focus on one section. There you go. There you yeah. go. Stable. Yeah, it takes about, takes about like 18 seconds for it to finally get to the point where, oh, this is what I'm looking at. Got it. Yeah. So is he driving? Huh. Is he just driving over these dead birds? I'm surprised that that doesn't happen more often, to be honest said it happened last year too right but damn like what no, I'm just all these like, things ran into a building what did they they wrote it oh my god there's so many of these birds uh, yeah that's that's why it's just like i'm surprised that this does i mean obviously to this amount but i'm a, i wonder how many how many birds die a year based on fireworks like fireworks really do havoc on pets and things pets freak out for fireworks how many birds die from fireworks each year it's got to be a lot 
I would assume. Uh, it's, I mean, look, the way that you get birds away from an airport is you fire stuff at them, right? You basically fire a big flare gun or a firework at them. Yeah, this is an article from uh, Forbes, but whatever. It's from, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, Forbes. This ad that just appeared literally took up a third, like two thirds of my of my screen. God damn. Uh, let's see. Fireworks mean that New Year. All right. How do fireworks harm wild birds? Fireworks means that New Year's Eve could be a dangerous time for birds. Should we try alternatives to blowing stuff up? Wow. Okay. Um, just give me a number. According to a 2020 study by a multidisciplinary team of research from the Netherlands, when a firework display starts, waterfowl erupt into flight en masse from nearby bodies of water and fly to an altitude of 800 meters above the ground. The altitude reached by these terrified birds were far higher than their local commuter flights and are comparable to altitudes reached for right, whatever. Just how many die? How many die? It's not telling me how many die. Yeah, I don't know. It's just telling me like what they do. Yeah, it's like it's not, I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm just, it's probably just it because it's Forbes that wrote it. Well, because there's a, there's a colony of birds probably in this Roman town that just happened to be getting killed off. So, hmm. yeah, but that's pretty frightening. That looks like something out of a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. The happening or something like that, or, or the birds. Or the birds. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Like all the articles are pointing to this. Uh, oh, here's a PETA article. Bird death should end firework displays. Fireworks are being blamed for the recent death of 5,000 birds in Arkansas. What? There you go. This, this is, is from pan, this is a pandemic for birds. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, there's an article in USA Today from, uh, yeah, so it wasn't a secret government spraying program, Martians or gas seeping out of New Madrid fault that killed the 5,000 or so blackbirds that died New Year's Eve in Beebe, Arkansas. It was someone shooting off professional-grade fireworks in a residential district, scaring the night-blind birds out of their roost into a 25-mile-per-hour wind that ran them into houses, signs of even signs and even the ground. Okay, wow. So uh, the, alone in Arkansas, this one event in 2011 killed 5,000 birds. Yep. So you imagine it's a, it's a ton. And by clicking all these articles, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of reports now of dead birds. I think so. I bet you this is this is a common thing that happens and just you'd never seen it like this. And it probably happens in the middle of nowhere. People putting fireworks off in their house and birds freak out and down they go. People just don't care. People yeah. just don't care. Does, and I mean, uh, right? Like some your, of these birds are like, what are you going to do? Does your cat care about fireworks? No. Cat cares no. about birds, though. <laughs> We let cat, this cat, cat cats over here in this conversation be like good not enough if we let this cat outside he'd kill everything wow everything yeah. everything we, we chain him up for other people's safety oh okay other animal safety for the good of the neighborhood he stays inside all right sounds good wouldn't want to wouldn't want to put all these people at risk yeah well let's move on let's talk about some dogs good news good news bad news well, good and mostly good news, though. Reading from NBC News, dog days of Florida come to an end with total demise of U.S. Greyhound racing within sight. Man's best friend ran one last time at Palm Beach Kennel Club on New Year's Eve, more than two years after state voters axed the sport. The dog racing mecca of Florida 
ran its final Greyhound contest Thursday night as the gambling mainstay strides closer to its potential demise across America. The clock struck midnight when a speedy pooch named Bug Brush crossed the finish line to win the final race at Palm Beach Kennel Club in West Palm Beach and brought a curtain on the sport in Florida. A little more than 25 months ago, state voters overwhelmingly approved Amendment 13 outlawing Greyhound races starting in 2021 and issuing what could amount to a national death sentence for the century-old U.S. sport. With the state now out of the Greyhound running business, four tracks in three states, West Virginia, Arkansas, and Iowa, are left still chasing rabbits. When Amendment 13 passed in 2018, Florida had 11 of America's 17 dog tracks, which were spread across six states. Earlier this year, tracks in Texas and Alabama went out of business. Quote, Florida was the mecca of dog racing, the base, the largest state with the most tracks, end quote. Humane Society Florida director Kate McFall told NBC News recently, celebrating her state's role in the sports decline. Quote, now this industry is weathered, end quote. Jim Gartland, executive director of the dog racing industry's umbrella group, the National Greyhound Association, admitted he sees a day when greyhounds will no longer run America. Quote, I hate to say it. I hate to even think about it, end quote, Gardland said, quote, it may be five years down the road, it may be 10 years down the road, but it's definitely possibility, end quote. Talk about point counterpoint. The next to last standing Florida track, Derby Lane in St. Petersburg, closed up shop on Sunday. As the action came to a close late Thursday night, Frank Sinatra's timeless hit, quote, my way. Oh, Jesus. Just the quote. <laughs> let, me just, let me restart that sentence. Getting, getting too held up with these quotes here. As the action came to a close late Thursday night, Frank Sinatra's timeless hit, My Way, played at Palm Beach Kennel Club as Bug Brush and seven other Greyhounds paraded to the starting box of the 545-yard, $10,000 long-run championship. Bug Brush went wire to wire to end 88 years of racing at the West Palm Beach track. Quote, it's horrible. It's very sad, end quote, Gartland said of the sports decline. Quote, I've had people in this industry I've watched cry over these past couple of months, end quote. Oh, really? Really? In the late 1980s, there were more than 60 dog tracks in operation in the U.S. with action in Connecticut, Colorado, Arizona, Wisconsin, Idaho, Kansas, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Oregon, Vermont, and New Mexico, according to the association. Quote, it's no secret. Dog racing has been on the decline for several years now, end quote, said Palm Beach Kennel Club President Patrick Rooney Jr., whose family had owned the track since 1969. Quote, dog racing was not long for this world, end quote. Rooney, the grandson of Pittsburgh Steeler founder Art Rooney and nephew of former U.S. ambassador to Ireland Dan Rooney, said changing views on animal rights has put greyhound racing on the fast track to extinction. I feel about that wording, but... Whatever. Animal rights activists have long opposed greyhound racing, saying that dogs live in cramped quarters and suffer from difficult work conditions. Quote, anything with an animal component to it is going to have a difficult time surviving in the society we are becoming, end quote, said Rooney, theorizing that dog racing, horse racing, and rodeo could someday go to the way of the circus. Quote, we are being more sensitive to whether real or imagined the feeling of animals and how they're treated, end quote. With Florida's ban now in place, there are laws on the books in 41 states that sport against the sport, according to Christine Dorcott, co-founder of anti-racing group Gray 2K. See, that's that's a good name that I could say easily. Anyway, this thing keeps going. I'm only halfway through this article, but I'll stop because I think you get it. What do you so, think? 
I'm not surprised because this is a financial thing more than a welfare the animal thing, right? Like we can just well, they voted. It. it was a vote. It was put up to a vote in Florida, and they killed it in 2018. So the people spoke. Nobody cares about this from a that you can't make. A, if you would have made a financial case for this for dog racing being needed, right? It's not needed. It doesn't make any money. So why are we torturing dogs for no money? Why are you torturing dogs? Like that's well, I get it, but like let's think like Americans here, like like Floridians. But if you didn't, if you didn't like kill the dogs, like kill bad dogs that didn't perform well and just you now, know, let them run amok. I think the bigger discussion with this is how long does horse racing have? That's what I was thinking too. Because again, do all the horses hate horse racing, or do they just hate that they get shot if they lose? Well, or if they break a leg. Yeah, like you might win, and if you come up hobbled, glue. You're dead. Yeah, like there's got to be a way to have like safety for the for the horses, right? N- not like, when you them to that level, and the fact that you breed these horses. Like, look at a racehorse. Look at the body of a racehorse, and look how you're breeding these animals. You're not breeding them for work, right? Like horses are pretty big. They got real tiny little legs, and you know, big superhero looking chest. Like they're built for running. And it's not like they're really built for any sort of longevity of a horse to live a long life. Like they kind of pump these guys full of horse steroids and stuff to unhealthy levels, right? So horse racing can't have long dog racing. Again, dog racing is not profitable, right? But horse racing is profitable, right? right. The Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, like they're the big giant events and races that, you know, bring in millions and millions of dollars a year with horse racing. Oh, yeah. There's no televised horse racing event. Yeah, like it's no, just mainstream. I'll say mainstream because I'm sure they televise some of this stuff. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's just like, should we be racing animals when we can race cars, right? I'd argue MotoGP and F1 and NASCAR is more exciting to watch, right? Those sports have millions of people across the world. Who's re- Horse racing is such an old sport. Most people I know that like horse ra- racing don't even like horse ra- racing. Horse raking. Horse raking. Horse raking. Now like, that's a new sport that we can get behind. It's just horses raking. Yes. So they're just doing lawn work. Um, yeah. It's like um, what are those things that they do? It's like the Zen garden. It's like a horse Zen garden. Yeah, with sand in the rake in the circle. Yeah. I'd watch but, that. I mean, it's just one of those things that like we did in the 20s and 30s that at some point someone's going to go, why are we doing this? Like give it, let those Boston Dynamics robots that are dancing now, let them race. Yeah. Well, BattleBots didn't really take off, so... But again, don't, instead of them fighting each other, just let them race. Whose robot's going to be faster? I'd watch a robot race with legs. Don't with jets. Yeah, I mean, those bad, those Boston Dynamic robots are now dancing, so yeah, they, so could, they could they could be doing everything soon I enough. mean, they were running before, right? So, like, let's just have Robot Olympics and be done. It's more yeah. fun. Yeah, sure. But what's annoying about this is this guy, like, to put you in the mindset of these people who are pro- horse racing and dog racing and all these other things is we are being more sensitive to whether real or imagined the feelings of animals and how they're treated. What's imagined about it? They're, they're living things. Why wouldn't they have feelings? Dog emote more clearly than most animals. Yeah. They they just can't tell you that it hurts. (laughs) That's the problem. Yeah, they can. You ever hear a dog yelp? It's horrifying. I have, but at the same time, they can't say, hey, my leg hurts. They just yelp. Yeah, but that's that's almost as bad. You ever accidentally step on a dog's tail? 
Yes. And the dog's very upset. <laughs> Is there like a worse feeling in the world? It's getting your tail stepped on? I'm assuming not. No. The, yeah. And then the feeling. No. And the feeling of when the dog yelps because you accidentally did that. You're like, oh, shit. How do I make this up to you? I will shower you with treats. <laughs> All of them. All the treats. I'm so sorry. What do you want? You want to you want to get pet? You want to be played with? You want to you want the yard? You just need space? What's going on? I'm so sorry. Not everyone feels the same way about dogs, unfortunately. Monsters. Yeah. It's a good way to weed out like unbecoming people in society. Well, I mean, that's always the serial killer thing, right? The serial serial killers always are the ones that like torture animals. Yeah. It's like, oh, like when if your kid starts killing animals in the neighborhood, you've got a serious problem. Your kid's probably associated. What do you do about it? You have a kid. He kills gerbils for fun. What do you do? You take him to a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no other answer. Like, if you're killing gerbils for fun, like torturing gerbils for fun yeah. and not for any sort of meat, not for any sort of survival instincts, right? You're just like, yeah, I just, you know, instead of playing video games, I decided to torture this gerbil. Yeah. I, I, I made it my own little saw. Look, I made the diorama and everything and I put on the mask. And it's. <laughs> It's it's no. If you're doing that, and speaking of which, I just saw that Chris Rock is going to be in the next Saul movie, which is strange. Yeah. It was supposed to come out in, what, March, April? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, wait, that's true. Okay. And I've never watched a Saul movie. I don't like watching gore. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but like that's that's kind of, you'd take your kid to a psychologist and say, hey, it, like, why do you feel the need to do this? Because you, your kid's probably a bit of a sociopath. You shouldn't kill things just for the pure, like torture things for the pure fun of it. Um, like it's, it's a bit of a mess. When so, do you, when do you take him to a priest? For an exorcism after the psychologist says I can't help him. <laughs> after the psychologist turns up dead, then you're like, okay, priest time. Yeah. Yeah. And then the priest. Okay. So how much time do you think horse racing has? I give it another horse racing. I think is going to be around for a while just because there's so much money in it. Um, and there is a human aspect to it. There's people riding those things. So it becomes a little bit more difficult to detach. Uh, I, I'd probably give horse racing at least another like 20, 30 years. Yep. 2040 is when I think it'll be done. I think we'll start talking about it. There'll be some event that happens between now and 2030 that makes a serious question. I mean, look, you could say the same thing about like all the mascots that are now all the Native American mascots that are being thrown out. Right. Like we're getting rid of them. It took a long time. It took hundreds, a hundred years. But the Cleveland Indians are going to change their name. The Washington Redskins have already changed their name. Um, you a know, horse just, needs to have a horrible event happen during one of these races. And it hasn't happened yet. But like kind of have though, and they do a good job of covering it up with the sheet as they youth as they euthanize the horse. No, I mean like mid-race, a horse yeah. just does like a somersault and gets it's like mid-race, it's just head yeah, 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 yeah. flips over. And then it doesn't get up because it's dead. And then you're or, like, or, no, what you need is it tries to get up, right? Nothing oh, I was thinking just like dead no, at the jump. No, no, no. So you need like you need it to crash. You need the jockey to be thrown off. You need the horse to try to get up and you watch its big teeth flailing around and it's very upset. And then the horse is sort of attacking and it's trying and it's making all of this noise. And the crowd is silent. And you just hear the pain of this animal because instant death. We don't think anything of it. It's the agonizing pain. Right. Like it's that that gets people to go, ooh, something's wrong. I had to watch this thing die for for this amount of time. This is awful. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, like even if it was just sudden, because all you need is that event to be like, oh, what are we what are we doing here? Because that's when the news people say 
is it a lot of people protesting saying, what are they, what are we doing to be killing, you know, with a dead horse and all these other things? Like, what about the rest of it? Let's, what about all the other horses that have died that are not seen on screen? And that's what you need. You need, you need one of those things to really shine turn, a light on it. And turns into the Black Lives Matter movement for horses. There. You got, you got to solve, you got to solve that first though. Yeah. Yeah. So look, I, I mean, I just think we shouldn't be racing animals of that level just not really a need like we've got other we've got cooler things to race <laughs> yeah I have you suppose. seen an f1 have you seen a modern f1 car that thing's awesome it's nuts yeah goes very quick oh so let's just race those <laughs> we're done moto gp is extremely fun to watch just let the race on that's like race on a horse right a little motorbike it's like a horse it's more nascar events and they're very similar to horse racing events yeah yeah, a lot but of. Drunk, I don't have knowledge in either. I don't have interest in either one of those things. A lot of drunk white people. Just some are wearing, you know, cut off t shirts with the Confederate flag, or some are wearing, you know, big hats and dresses. But the end result's the same. There's someone standing on a porta potty by the end. <laughs> <laughs> one has more uh, trailers and uh, folding chairs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, tailgating in campers. But Absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, that's every single racing of like the Preakness is known. Like if you looked up pictures for what happens at the Preakness stakes at the infield, it's total debauchery. It's a mess. So true. Kids don't care about horse racing. It's one of the spell the Preakness. Oh, there we go. P-R-E-A-K-N-E-S-S. I'm going to search after. Yeah, uh, like, look at the, like the preakness like just look at the photos of the preakness like the the infield the preakness infield i believe is what it's called um let's see if yeah yeah, oh yeah here we go yeah mess it's a mess it's a disaster (laughs) it's It's probably a good time it's a go before uh before they shut this down jumping in the mud it's it's like woodstock it's like Woodstock, but for horse racing. And it's just a lot of white people drinking, you know, drinking crazy amounts of alcohol. And it's just, I mean, they're doing concerts. I mean, they got, they got hip hop acts. Like it's, it's like going to Coachella basically, or I guess going to Woodstock or any of the other, I mean, I'm old, but any of the other, you know, now famous, um, you know, big parties. That's what it is. All right. Good to know. Keep that in mind for, uh, you know, the next. Yes, if you ever want to party, go to Baltimore and go watch the Preakness Stakes and go in the infield and watch a bunch of white people. It's not that far. It's not that far. Yeah. For me, I can take a train there. Yeah. I won't. I'm not going to do it. But it's uh, it's an option, right? It's an option. Keep our options open. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at this picture. It's a girl with a box over her head with a drink in her hand. (laughs) Just love it. Send me the picture. Send me the picture. It's, it's in the LA Times, and they're just showing like if you just look at the Preakness Stakes pictures for the like for the different years, you just again they they try to make it. I'm sure that there's some like you got to go to like a Bleacher Report or something. So it's not like Kentucky, like the Kentucky Derby that's supposed to be a little classier. The Preakness is supposed to be complete mayhem. Um, yeah, like a lot of these photos are have gone because there was no Preakness this year, right? So, or if there was, it, it had no it had no infield. There's nobody there. So. What happens if that stuff goes away and then you're, you have all these movies that are just time capsules and they, they just become even more dated? Can you think of an example of a movie now that – like a movie back in the day that has something that doesn't really exist anymore? Like imagine if you had – so I think about uh, – because I, I know all the Bond movies, right? So 007, A View to a Kill. 
a big part of that movie for whatever reason. It's a it is a trash fire of a movie, but there's a whole plot point of a uh, of horse racing at the it might have been it might be the Kentucky Derby, but that's a whole plot point of the movie. Yeah. So that that goes away, but you still have the movie. So how do you explain that to people in like 40 years, assuming it goes away in 20 years? Yeah, here's this antiquated sport. I mean, it's like watching a gladiator movie, right? Like, yeah, gladiator. I guess I guess you're right. Yeah. Like, like, it's just, it's historical time. Like, yeah, we used to do this. Like gladiators, we used to put people in rings with lion. <laughs> people used to go to this event, wear silly hats, and then, uh, and then get wild after. <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. I guess so. I guess so. All right. Well, here we go. Here's, here's an image to sum this up for you. Uh, uh, it's, from a, it's, from a fo- it's from a forum. We still have forums, web forums. But oh yeah, Google Forms is huge. Image. I mean, you can make this image. The, you can make the image of the podcast <laughs> if we're still doing images for the week. Um, yeah, I am absolutely. That, that image, that first image, sums up this discussion. <laughs> it's loading very slowly. But I, I the headline that you just. The video from the infield at Peakness this past weekend, NWS, cleavage, drunkenness, etc. Well, this this picture oh, definitely have, has all those things. It. <laughs> she plowed, plowed through that styrofoam cooler like Godzilla. More in the video. <laughs> Good for her. And yeah, this pretty much sums it up. This is uh, this is what it is. Yeah, this this these are the types of pictures that I'm thinking of of just people being. Yeah, like this is what the Preakness steak is. It's just a bunch of. It's like spring break, spring break with horse racing. It's very odd. Yeah, this is um, this is America. This is America in a picture. Yes, it is. It is. It is exactly what it is. This sums up America. Beautiful thing. Yeah, this is definitely America. There's cool. Bud Light cans and there's a Tostitos wrapper that is, like literally this sums up America. <laughs> this image sums up America. Yeah. Like it's it's just some people are passed out. One person's trying to help and uh, everyone else just sitting by minding their own business. And then there's, and then there's mom trying to cover her up. It's and just, they have all the destruction left in the wake. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Oh man! Yeah, that sums it up, and it's just a beautiful girl, and she's just just had too much. <laughs> Looks like a good time. Well, we've all been there, you know. Who hasn't? Who hasn't gone hard through a through a styrofoam cooler <laughs> and just and just passed out with your exposed breastuses? You know, we've all been there. Yep. All been there. So let's move on. Let's do a little uh, reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish. And I'm going to send you this Alec Baldwin interview because we can, or this this article because we can talk about it during media therapy since Hollywood. But continue, yes, cool. I don't really have much specific stuff to talk about. We we ended a little bit on it. I did see a tweet that somebody said um, we have it's like eighty. Uh, Mitch McConnell is eighty one years old. Can someone just push him and take one for the team? I wish I knew who said that. <laughs> so I can credit oh, that. Funny at the same time. <laughs> But seriously, we got to we got to stop electing these old fucks, man. Like, they, do you have you been following what's been happening with the two thousand dollar checks? I mean, a little bit. I saw that. Only thing I know is that basically they passed the six hundred dollar. Are they about to pass the six hundred dollar? Yeah, passed. It's and sucked. Trump Trump said no. That's not enough money. Yep. And I, they should be two thousand dollars. The Democrats go, oh my god, Trump actually said something that we agree with. Yep. And they're, they're like, big, they rallied behind it. Yep. And then Mitch McConnell was still like, nah, we're not doing that. 
And then I guess they had another vote where Mitch definitely said, like, no, we're not doing that. I'm serious. And then Trump signed it. And that's all I remember. No. So here's what happened. (laughs) They yeah, they signed the bill with the six hundred dollars. And then uh, well, after Trump was like, man, I'm not going to sign it. Then he disappeared for a weekend. Then he came back. He's like, fine, I'll sign it. But give me but make it two thousand dollars. House voted, said, yep, done. Pass it over to the Senate. Mitch is like, nope, we're not voting on it as he has been. Remember, Mitch McConnell is the guy who said, call me the Grim Reaper some point during the Obama administration. Um, <laughs> and he made this, uh, he he basically said, okay, fine. Trump wants three things. He wants $2,000. He wants the repeal of section 230, which is uh, something for social media sites. Uh and then he wants to, um, and that that was all started because uh, Diaper Don was trending on Twitter. Uh, and he wants a commission for election, uh, for uh, election fraud, to uh, to be investigated, right? Even though they've follow, filed how many lawsuits that have been thrown out, so those are the three things he wanted. And he said he wasn't going to sign this the uh, Defense Act unless the two thirty thing got in there. It didn't. He vetoed it. They just overrode the veto today. So that's done. Right. Then he, um, so Mitch is like, okay, fine. You guys want the $2,000. We'll just do everything all together then. So that's the, that's what he's proposing. $2,000 repeal of section 230 and a, uh, and this, and establishing a commission for election fraud. <sighs> Yeah, and so kind of like they, some, that's what they called a uh, a poison pill. Yes, of course, of course, that's what you do. It's like didn't the didn't the 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 budget for this year like it also it had a bunch of random stuff in it. Like they just sort of shoved the coronavirus stuff into a regular bill that got passed for the end of the year. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit in the uh, in the nine hundred billion dollar because nothing can be easy, and you always have to coerce all these people, and that's the problem. Like if Biden really wants to make a difference. And the Democrats really want to make a difference if they have a, if they have any real drive to make things better. The first thing they should do is have some serious lobbyist reform. Yep, because that's really fucking up everything. These people too, uh, in, in, these people are allowed to enrich themselves, and that's why you're putting these things in. So you say you're doing things for your people, but you're really not. No. You're not, and that and that's the most gross thing about it. So this whole thing is, yeah, people need two thousand dollars. At the same time, you're talking about the, this is the these are the people of fiscal responsibility, but you can't have it both ways. You can't yeah. say let's cut taxes and and we have to reduce the debt. It's like no, that's not really how it works because taxes pay for the debt. And now they're saying, okay, well, two thousand dollars, fine, we'll do that, but we also need to set up this this commission. It's like, well, that costs money, and you know it's frivolous. So why do it? Isn't that completely against your morals? Oh no, you just don't want to do any of this stuff. So yeah, that's, that's why you do it this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Like right. they don't and have- that, so Mitch knows what he's doing. He's he's just an asshole. Yes. Everything that he does. He's such a piece he of shit. Take, he takes, and he's the one that specifically takes pride in the fact that he's 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 the one standing in the way of a lot of this stuff. He just does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and his state keeps electing him. So what what are you gonna do? <laughs> Nothing. That's the kind of these are the kind of moments where you just it's people like him and and the way he 
he acts and rules is like that's the kind of thing that makes you feel helpless and really lose faith in this system. Yeah. And the fact that he doesn't even have a grip and there's people crazier than him. I don't think there's people smarter than him, which is good, but also somewhat worrying. Like, which would you rather have? Someone who's as smart and able to do everything they want to do or someone who's like really dumb and just wants to do the craziest shit you can possibly like a QAnon believer. Because that's what you're having right now. I mean, I guess the difference, the QAnon believer, I think you can see that, like, you'd rather have that because it's so easy to debunk. Now, again, it's exhausting, right? Dealing with Trump's It's not. I don't think it is. But, like, having a guy that's really smart and actually destroying things is always a bigger fear to me. Yeah. It's always going to be a bigger fear because the dummy, you can kind of tell that he's a dummy and enough people can... I mean, that's the thing. Like, Trump's maybe not gone that crazy, but he's done enough stuff out of the norm that we can all talk about and say, we know this is wrong, right? And at least more than half, maybe it's 50.1%. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Right, which is fine, but it's still more than half. Um, It at least says that we're we're trending in the right direction. And worldwide, right? And if we voted, if the U.S. election was worldwide, where, like, anyone can vote on it, 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 it would be more than that. It would be 75, 80%. Just is. Uh, most people have spent the last four years laughing at America. Yeah, I don't know. You have a um, because you have the Republicans are going to have infighting as well. I think the one benefit about this is you might actually start seeing some more diverse political parties. But the problem is when you have four parties and one of them is going to get like thirty percent of the vote. You know, I'm talking like crazy hardcore Trump people then they may actually end up being the ruling class on an even on a, with a even smaller minority than we have now because you have you have the democrats which are basically divided into the into the bernie camp and the biden camp right we'll call them that to keep it simple sure. and then you have and now you have the republicans which are basically going to be divided over the over the mitch camp and which is the classical republican and the and the Trump slash QAnon tra- camp, which I'm going to merge together because it is like probably a 90% overlap. Yeah. 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 If you believe in QAnon, you believe that Trump is that Trump won the election. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But so. I guess that's the thing, right? Like you look at the way that the parties are ran in the UK and ran here. I mean, it's very, it's a, there's two parties, right? That's national and labor that generally win the election that win the majority of the votes, either one of them, but then these smaller parties still have a say, right? So like a lot of times you have to join coalitions to make the government, but all the parties, as long as you have a seat in parliament, your your voice is heard, right? Like you actually have a say in how the government is operating. Where in the US, it's literally just Democrats, Republicans. What if your actual Congress is for parties? So sure, you might have the president who's a Republican, but Congress no longer has this overwhelming majority of, hey, if you get one more seat, you control the government, right? Like that goes out, that goes out the window. So it's always going to be the Republicans or the Democrats need help from the QAnon party or need help from the progressive party, right? Like that's what it turns into. So if you have – so if the Democrats want to pass a bill that the progressives don't like, then that's a problem. Maybe the Maybe the Republicans like it. Like it turns into more of that where it's actually governing. That's not just we just have to vote this way because if we don't, the monsters on the other side win. Maybe. I don't Tell know. you, it works, works here. 
for the yeah. most part. Well, so. I think I, I, the way things are going, and I don't know if it's always been this way, where you always, where everybody's always fearful of like, well, things are going to shit now, you know, like what were people saying in the, in the seventies or hell, like were people saying this in the nineties when things were relatively good and peaceful, you know, well, between like I, in the in the Clinton eras. You have to remember that, I mean, one of Trump's claims to fame is that he didn't start any wars, right? Trump goes, yep. this, or his people say, this is the first year that we've not actually been involved in a new conflict with the president or the first, the first president within X amount of years. That and America, America, for the longest time, has always worked off the fact of it's us versus it's us versus the world, right? So in the 80s, we had the Russians, right? Like all the Cold War between the mid-70s to pretty much the early 90s was Russia's the enemy, Russia's the enemy. And then in the 90s and 2000s, I'd say that it was pretty much the Middle East. If it wasn't Saddam, it was um, it was Osama, you know, like it's the and then before that it was Vietnam. Before that it was Korea. Before that it was World War II. Like there's always an enemy outside of our shores. And I would say at some point China sort of became that enemy, right? But this is the first time where honestly the enemy in the US is the US itself. Yeah. Yeah. The real enemy. Sure, we can keep talking about Russia meddling in our elections and China, but like it's kind of like we don't need to worry about them because our own country is basically in a new civil war. Like it's a civil war that's fought differently, right? It's not muskets on a battlefield. It's online. You could say that we are in a war right now on social media between two vastly different ideals of way that, the way this country should move forward. Yeah. Yeah, again, I I would agree with that. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying civil war, but it's there it's is definitely without actually we are more divided now than and say any other time since the civil war absolutely which is not the case it's not the way that it's been it's always been the u.s fighting overseas or fighting you know terrorism or fighting communism or fighting some other monster and now the monster is literally us pointing at each other <laughs> yeah it's, it's just interesting it's interesting to, to to be to see it from afar to be honest it's very interesting to watch yeah are you more or le- i know you said like if Trump won, you're done. You're not coming back. Yep. With everything that's still going on, though, the fact that you still have people who are saying they're going to contest the results, even though it's been certified and all these other things. But the last step now is for is for Pence to count the votes. Is is all this stuff still? Are you are you still like, eh, you know, there's still a chance, or are you are you going back to being like, ah, eh, you know what? I'm good. I, I well, really give it two years, right? Because COVID is the main concern right now. The way that you guys have handled COVID is awful. It's terrible. Oh yeah, and that alone makes me just go, you know, not necessarily the place you want to be. But let's see how the next two years go. Like I'm assuming Biden's going to get stonewalled, especially if they don't win these Senate seats. It's going to look like Obama's last term. It's going to be very similar, and Biden is not going to end up doing eight years. And so like, no. this is a short, this is pretty much, we did everything we needed to do to get Trump out. And that's what, that's what the campaign was. It was all the Democrats banding together going, look, I might not agree with Joe, but we got to get rid of Trump, period. What happens now that Trump, once Trump goes away. And back maybe in 2024. Comes, maybe he comes back, right? But that's the yes. story. Like, you just don't know. Fire so, strikes I mean, back. It's kind of- yeah, he comes back and he, you know, 
and Joe's gone and, you know, everyone thinks that Kamala is going to ruin the country. Like, it's just, it's very weird because it literally was just like people voted for Trump. They didn't vote against the Republican Party, they voted against Trump. And that scares me more. It's not as scary as if Trump wins, but Trump was, he might as well have won as far as the affirmation of, you know, there's 70 million people that think Donald Trump did a decent job the first four years. That's scary. it's, It's bananas. Yep. Yeah. That's why I always need to kind of check people when you're like, you know, the majority, the minority. It's like, well, hold hold on a second here. Again, it's still the majority, but yeah, but you know, (laughs) you have 71 million people who are, who are motivated enough to physically go and vote for that guy. Yeah. And you would imagine there's uh, even more people who support him and just didn't get up. Yeah. There's a lot of people who silently supported him. You know, that silent majority is very real of people in this country who believe the things Donald Trump have, have said, has said, and they just won't tell you. Or it's they my, don't believe it and they just revel in the in the crazy, which it, is probably most of them. Scary. It's like anarchy, right? People who enjoy anarchy, which, yeah, sure, I'm all for rebuilding governments, but complete lawlessness is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, enough of that shit. Let's move on. Let's do a little media therapy here. Uh, but first, I want to start with a question. I just saw Soul. I watched it. We could talk about that after this article. So with that in mind, let's do this. Who's older, Tina Fey or Paul Giamatti? That's a great one, actually. They're very close in age. I'm going to say that Tina Fey is younger by like a year. You're right. Well, Tina Fey is younger. She's younger by three years. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Which is frightening. God yeah. damn, Paul. God <laughs> damn. I'd like my New Year's resolution to get Paul Giamatti on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's just asking this question of, do you think this person's older or younger? Yeah, get Paul Giamatti on to, to play the Paul Giamatti game. That'd be fun. It's really somebody knows him. How, yeah. how many how many degrees of separation are you from Paul Giamatti? Uh, I, I mean, I can I can look this up. I'm sure it's not as many as you probably think. Yeah, um, I don't think so either. I, I'd probably say at maximum three with the with the people I know. With the people I know, I can't be more than three degrees of separation. I mean, from Paul he's, Giamatti. he's from New Haven, Connecticut, so I I, I agree with you. That's got to be pretty. How about even the people we know in California? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, that's what I mean. Between both coasts. I think you're going to be able to find. Yeah, and I mean, then, I mean uh, give it a give it a bit, and I mean, he was in Spider Man too. That's funny. <laughs> Your man uh, Johnny Fabs. He ever he ever worked with uh, Paul Giamatti? Uh, Paul Giamatti's been in a lot of stuff, so it's hard to find. I mean, there's got to be a degree of separation game, right? Like, there's yeah. got to be a game on online where you can type in someone's name, um, and type in someone else's name, um, and see if it see like what comes up. Let's see. If not, the website to start. Yeah, but that would be super weird. You'd, you'd have to do it through. Well, yeah, I guess on uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn does it. LinkedIn or through, or, or through IMDb. You just look at those database and see projects and scour them and see if the names connect. And that's it. Let's see. I don't think it's a thing in IMDb. There's a movie called Six Degrees of Separation. So let's see. Degrees of Separation database from Steve Wagner. Uh, this is probably, yeah, this is, this is his own personal website. <laughs> Anyways, let, let's look this up. Let's see if we can figure it out for next episode. We don't want to spend too much time doing it here, but okay. 
Got it. Yeah, because I think, uh, no, I, I think I'm saying, so if one degree is I know that person or is that zero? No, because it's one degree of separation, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's zero. There is no degree of separation. You know him. Okay, so at the worst, I kn- Paul Giamatti knows somebody who knows somebody else who knows this person that I know. So that's three degrees of separation. Does, does he play hockey? She did. Right. So that's at least maybe two. But no, I'm not saying, but does Paul Giamatti play hockey? Oh, oh, sorry. I thought I'm talking about the starting chain from my uh, degree of separation. Okay. So did Paul Giamatti play hockey? I'm going to guess no. No, I'm going to guess no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to, just to if he if he played hockey in New Haven, Connecticut, then it's got to be two at most. <laughs> uh, yeah, I maybe, mean, maybe one. New Haven. I mean, but he also went to Yale. Like, he's a smart guy. Yeah, I, I probably know at least one Yale one. Uh, it's funny. Uh, his dad was the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Oh, look at that! Would have known that. Anyways, I'm sure oh. we can. I'll so he probably that. knows. Uh, he probably knows George Bush. Yep, probably. probably. Yeah, the guy was in baseball. Anyway, did you see Soul? I did. All right, we'll talk about that after this. So I'm, I'm interested to talk about that. All right, so you sent me the story about Hilaria Baldwin. Yes, which sounds made up, but that's her name. That is her name. Yes. Hilaria Baldwin speaks out amid accusations. She faked being Spanish. Oh my God. It's just like, who is that woman who faked being black? Uh, Rachel Dolezal. Yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> Has she been on dancing with the stars yet? She probably should. Rachel Dolezal. No, Rachel Dolezal. She had like a weird documentary where she was like, she kind of didn't, she was kind of like, yeah, this is just who I am. And it's like, but you're white. And she yeah, was whatever. Like, this is who it's I fine. am. Yeah. It's very weird. You can be transracial. Why is that not a thing? What she said. She's like, well, I, <laughs> I've ascended past race. Okay, that's but, but yeah, is it is that so crazy at this point? No, not at this point. Yep, there you go. See, I'm cool with it. Fine, but I'm also white. Baldwin accuses critics of misrepresenting her and addresses her background and cucumber brain fart incident. What the fuck am I reading? Reading from the Guardian, by the way. Yes, I guess a sip of water. Hang on. Mm. getting a little parched you know it's that radiator heat really uh dries you out hilaria baldwin has accused critics of misrepresenting her amid allegations she spent years faking being spanish speaking out in the new york times interview on wednesday baldwin addressed the controversy surrounding her heritage after it emerged she was born in boston not spain and was originally named hillary Baldwin, the wife of actor Alec Baldwin, has become the subject of fervent speculation about her background in the past week. The controversy began when a Twitter user's thread, uh, which shared clips of Baldwin speaking with an accent, went viral. Quote, you have to admire Hilaria Baldwin's commitment to her decade-long grift where she impersonates a Spanish person, end quote, wrote at Lena Briscoe doesn't matter in one clip baldwin is shown struggling to remember the english word for a cucumber <laughs> it might be, i'm gonna send you the clip because it's a today show clip where she's making gazpacho yeah um and it's on telemundo Should i play right. this on my phone so i could so oh, i can get yeah, through the, the, uh, microphone? the old festival right so it's hilario baldwin shows telemundo's evie Sis- siscos how to make a delicious and simple gazpacho 
which he demonstrated to the people in Espanol Festival in New York City. So she is like cooking Hispanic food with a Hispanic name and apparently faking an Hispanic accent. All right. Give me the Okay, here we go. So at what point does she try to remember? I don't know. I pulled this up. I didn't. I haven't Hi actually. Guys, I think we could all use some classic comfort food right now. And nachos keep jumping right into my head. But these are nachos. Oh, this is Joy Behar. That's not even. No, that's not her. But she, she's on this thing. I believe she's on that. And I got this from this New York Times article where she speaks out about this. I just uh, need to find this cucumber foot. Vamp uh, for a moment while I find this. Baldwin apparently has gone on clips and gone on things to talk about his wife's Spanish heritage. <laughs> He's like talked about it, and apparently she's just from Boston. Valeria Baldwin cucumber pretends to be Spanish. Here we go. This is a very few ingredients. We have tomatoes. We have um, how do you say anything? Cucumber. Cucumbers. We have um, <laughs> red pepper. We have, of course, the. <laughs> Born to 29,000 views. I love it. That's I cool. love it. She's faked being Spanish and she got caught. Of all the words to forget, cucumber. Okay. The New York Times article, I'm going to read it on here. The New York Times article raises instances of news articles referring to Baldwin's Spanish heritage and highlights an old clip of Alec Baldwin telling David Letterman his wife is from Spain. It also describes a biography of Baldwin on management agency websites that says she was born in. Mallorca. Oh, that's Mallorca, right? That's how you say it. Mallorca, Spain. Baldwin, 36, says the cucumber incident was caused by nerves as it was one of her first appearances on live TV, describing it as a brain fart rather than an attempt to reinforce the belief she was Spanish and addressing an online biography from her management agency, which said she was born in Mallorca, Spain. At Mallorca, Baldwin said it was a disappointing error, you don't say. Baldwin, a yoga instructor and social media influencer, told the New York Times, quote, there is not something there's not something I'm doing wrong, end quote. And there is a, quote, difference between hiding and creating a boundary, end quote. Baldwin told the New York Times that she's bilingual and her English often has a strong Spanish accent, depending on how happy or upset she is. (laughs) What does that mean? So to, so to rapidly go through this, I love the Daily Mail for doing this, right? Because I'm on the Daily Mail, and they just give you the bullet points of the article. Perfect. So Hilario Baldwin's wedding to Alec Baldwin on June 30th, 2012, had a, had a distinct flavor of Spain in the celebration, DailyMail.com can reveal. The 36-year-old came under fire this week for claiming she has Spanish roots. She recently admitted her real name is Hillary. She was born in Boston. She only spent some of her childhood in Spain and clarified she, in quotes, is a white girl. At her wedding, Hilaria incorporated several elements of Spanish culture. The couple married at, at Basil, Basila of St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in Manhattan, with nuptials including readings in both English and Spanish. Um, she later said, I like that it brought a bit of my culture. During her vows, Hilaria is seen waving a flamenco fan in her hand. Um, what else is on here? In 2012, Hilaria spoke with Vanity Fair España, telling her telling how her family couldn't understand how to pronounce her new last name, Baldwin. Um, <laughs> it's so easy. And you're Spain. They spent the majority of their lives in the U.S. Her mother is a fourth-generation Massachusetts resident, and her father's family ties go back to the American Revolution. Wow. <laughs> so she faked being Spanish. That's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. 
How I mean this this isn't like in Hollywood this isn't new though right like I mean there's a lot of people that get rid of being for whatever and I don't know if you actually know the reason for this maybe you do of why so many Jewish people get rid of their Jewish like they end up taking a different name in Hollywood is that a thing of the past or does that still happen often where people try to hide their Jewish heritage is that true I uh... yeah there's a lot of people and again I, I'm trying to think of the names but. There's a lot of actors and actresses who have tried to hide their Jewish heritage. They change their name. Instead of Goodman, it's something else, right? Like they pick a new last name. And this was a real common thing in the 90s and 2000s. It might not be that common now, but there's a lot of actors that you find out are Jewish and they've changed their name from Goodman or something along those lines to be more american sounding to be more and again like it's sad because i'm assuming that means that there's some prejudice to them being oh we can't really have this jewish last name you got to change your name to something else this is this article that i found is awful because it says 50 50 movie stars you didn't know it changed their name and a few you did but they don't actually show the current names so i don't know what the hell i'm looking at it only shows the original name well that doesn't help me let's see nine movie stars original jewish names i'm just clicking on like these clickbait uh i don't know who this is let's see theta Barra. i don't know who that is that was one of the silver screen's first stars she was originally theodosia goodman george burns he was originally nathan bernbaum that's why he changed her name wikipedia are there's this big wikipedia of list of jewish actors and i'm assuming that a lot of them actually have different names ronnie dangerfield his original name was jacob cohen yeah like again there's just, just a lot of people like that if you go through hollywood you're winona Ryder. she was originally winona harwitz okay yeah yeah there's a lot of people who've changed their name natalie portman natalie herschlag yeah because yeah. uh no one's no one's going to see the natalie herschlag <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing they kind of get told, like, hey, your name doesn't really work. Sorry, but you need to change your name. Now, again, I'm looking I'm looking at this list of people born in the 80s, and it's less common, obviously, for people of our generation to do this. Yeah, because um, there was there's a lot of anti-Semitism. I mean, there still is anti-Semitism, but there there was a lot. It was a lot more out there in the world. Yeah, where people because I'm going through most of these names, and like a lot of these guys, they're Jewish and they're they're keeping their name, like Zoe Dachanel. Jesse Eisenberg, like that's a Jewish name. Like he's not like Eisenberg, Epstein. Like these are just names that have Jewish heritage. And it's left J- Jake Gyllenhaal. Like a lot of these guys, Jonah Hill. His last name's Fiennes- Fieldstein. His name is Jonah Hill Fieldstein. Yeah. I, Sometimes you just want that one that the name that just rolls off the. Fair enough. Just right? rolls off the tongue. Like good for good for people like Michael Fassbender and Tom Hiddleston. Who's just like no fuck it. That's my name. Yeah. Yeah, but again, like this the fact that this is a common thing where you kind of reinvent yourself. Like Shia Shia LaBeouf is Jewish, but I would assume LaBeouf is in Shia, the first name Shia, it's pretty Jewish. Yeah. Speaking um, so of which, just just rewatched uh The Greatest Game Ever Played. Uh it's basically like the white and true and more and actually based on a true story version of the Legend of Bagger Vance. So I recommend it. I was thinking about that while watching that movie. I'm like, this is the same goddamn movie, but better and not as uh, controversial. And I like a movie that's based on true story and it gets most of the facts right. So I approve. It's good uh, inspirational Disney sports movie about golfing. A lot of white people. 
Yeah. Yeah. It takes place in the thirties and it's not like they just jam in a, they just get a black guy in there to fix things and nobody's like, Hey, what's that black guy doing on the fields? <laughs> on the, on the, what's that black guy constantly doing out here? Huh? He, sh- he shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> like this is, this is a movie where they're constantly shitting on a guy because he's not, he's not a professional. Like, just because he's a, he's a poor white dude playing golf and they're like giving him shit all the time. I really like it though. It's a good movie. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, I recommend it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Some people, I think it's more of a um, a rolling off the tongue thing. Back in the day, it was probably more of a it was more of a security and occupation, sure necessity where it's like hide your Jewiness, you know. So uh, no, <laughs> I'm just gonna throw, I was just gonna throw out some like stereotypical Jewish name, like really Jewish. Like no one's no <laughs> one no one's gonna go to the theater to see Shlomo Weinberg. Like no, I don't think. <laughs> Now, now look now. Now they'll let Shlomo uh, Weinberg. Shlomo Weinberg. They'll 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 let him produce the film. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he'll he'll be on the he'll be on the cards at the end, going real fast. Yeah, like really quick, like at the end, maybe. I think this happens more often than people think that people are actually faking where they're from. I mean, Hollywood is kind of the like a lot of people go there to reinvent themselves and they create new personas and they become different people. That's the beauty of it. And that doesn't bother me unless you're like a criminal. Then, you know, do your thing. a little that she's faking that she doesn't know the word for cucumber. Like that's a bit of a, that's a bit. Of a yeah, it, it's, it's stupid. You know, it, it, she's dumb. It's dumb. But you know what? She's not hurting anybody. The question is, did Alec know? Because <laughs> he probably didn't. Yeah, he probably thought he was marrying a very, uh, you know, he was marrying an exotic uh, Spaniard. And now yeah. all of a sudden he finds out you're from Boston. And then Wait. she's like dropping this thick Boston accent now. Like he just notices the transformation. She's just talking like Bill Burr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I thought that was an interesting, uh, I thought that was an interesting story. Of, uh, yeah, that was fascinating. Good, good call. Good call. By the way, uh, Rachel Dolezal, uh, late Rachel Dolezal, Zal, whatever the hell her name is. She legally changed her name to, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this, but, uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding Nikechi Amare Diallo. Diallo. <laughs> anyway, she did that in 2016. <laughs> she later, she later clarified that she still intends to use the name Rachel Dolezal as her public persona, but she changed her name to have a better chance of landing work. Yeah, that'll work. It's a good way to cheat the system. Yeah, sure. Change your name. I'll keep that trying to trying to fill the, uh, well, no, you're, you're okay. Yeah. You know, your name could be easily uh, assumed to be a white name. So you might, you could lean into yeah. to being black. That can be, that can be helpful. It didn't wherever I want to. It's good. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, it's all about the diversity. Yeah. You know, I'm screwed, but <laughs> yeah. maybe I should get, maybe I should go the opposite way. Make my name more Jewish. Well, just, yeah, just, just change your, change your, be Jason Shlomo. Jason Shlomo Berg. Let me put that at the end too. <laughs> just gotta come up with it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to change my name to Shlomo Miguel something. I also, you're going to go Spanish. I'll go both. I'm, gonna, I'm saying both. I'll make it. I'll just do like a mix of things. I'll, I'll go Jewish. I'll go Spanish and I'll go black. Find a way to make it just get a, get a Japanese sounding last name. Oishi. 
<laughs> Miguel Shlomo Oishi. There you go. M- Miguel Oishi. I watched a movie with Miguel Oishi in it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that? Have you seen that latest that latest Miguel Oishi joint? It's delicious. Oh, look at that. It's look delicious. at that. So, so when you open up your restaurant, are you going to call yourself Miguel Oishi? Oishi? You totally should. <laughs> Your pancake, we did it. Your pancake restaurant. It's, you just call it Miguel's, or would you call it Oishi? You'd have to call it Miguel's, and then your name is Miguel Oishi, Oishi and you make pancakes <laughs> with uh, with salsa verde, with tomatillo, the the best of the of the salsas. Yeah, it's, I like it's it. True. Like it's true. It's a good idea. We're we're onto something here. We're onto something here. Twenty twenty one going to be a lot of exciting developments. Just you wait and see. Speaking of finding your purpose. Yeah, let's talk about soul. <laughs> uh, what'd you think? I liked it. Liked it a lot. Liked the message of the movie. Um, I think it's a, I mean, I think this, what's the worst, is the worst Pixar movie, The Good Dinosaur? Has to be, right? It's gotta be. I think universally, yeah. Because yeah, even, yeah. at least, at least they were able to merchandise and make two sequels to Cars, even if people didn't like them. Pixar doesn't really make awful movies. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you go to see a Pixar movie, you're most likely going to get something out of it, which is pretty, pretty good. Like, that's pretty good. Like, for you, make movies that, like, I'll never not recommend you to watch a Pixar movie. I would even say you could watch The Good Dinosaur. It's just not very good. But I wouldn't stop you from watching it. Unlike Wonder Woman, where I tell you, do not watch it. This movie is great. It's great. It's good to see that Pixar is leaning into finding different voices and they lean into sort of jazz in New York City, which is cool, right? That's something that's not told very often in a modern story. Yeah. Um, you got Jamie Foxx in there as the voice and Tina Fey's running around. It's good. I liked it. I give it a four. I'm trying to think if there's anything wrong with it. That's the thing, right? Like, Yeah, the, movie, the movie's great. I really, really dug it. I went in with no expectations. I didn't even watch a trailer for this movie. Yeah, I, I didn't. All I knew was that Jamie Foxx was in it, and it was about jazz. That was all I knew. I didn't know Jamie Foxx in it. I didn't know Tina Fey was in it. I thought it was a little weird that well, I didn't realize that was her. It was jarring to hear like a, a white woman's voice coming out of uh, coming out of a black dude's body. I thought like why why not have that? Was just felt jarring to me. I get the gag, but at this point, this is this is not a movie for. Let me explain. A kid can watch this movie. Pixar doesn't but, make kids movies. But this is but this is not a movie for kids. The last this is a movie for like middle aged men. The last movie <laughs> oh, was Toy Story after Coco. Yes, Toy Story four was after Coco. But again, I haven't seen Toy Story four. But I mean, they're dealing with like Toy Story four. Apparently, made people cry because it deals with like issues about like growing up and kids and like they're making close to me. They're making movies about death. And afterlife and coming back and finding your purpose while you're alive. Like it's yeah. lost souls. Like they're not making movies for kids. They're making movies for us. It just happens to have cartoons in it. Yeah, exactly. This is, and this is the same guy who made uh, inside out and up, which is also no Pete doctor is his real name, by the way. I'm going to look it up. His name is Pete. Pete doctor. Doctor, it's possible. He's the CEO of Pixar. Maybe his name's Miguel Oishi. <laughs> He's the real. CCO, sorry, the create creative the yeah, it's Peter Hans Doctor. Oh yeah, change that. <laughs> no, nah, I mean I guess at this point you're just a, you're just a doctor. Yeah, that's too too German. It scares kids. When you're making kids' movies, you can't have a Hans in there. Nope. <laughs> so yeah, so like, I mean look, these guys making he's making movie this dude's not making kids' movies. 
No, he's not. He's making cartoons. No. It just happened to have. I mean, he's going to make this Buzz Lightyear thing as well, right? Like he's. I mean, he's executive producing of all these movies, but the movies that he directs because he's the creative. Yeah, they hit hard, and they're more for. They're more for. Actually, they have like these adult themes of letting go. Like Up was about moving on with you. Like hell, they 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 kill this dude's wife in the first five minutes of of Up. Yeah, and that is the that is the start of the movie. And I mean, yeah, and you have this you have this goofy kid and the talking dog, and that that helps for the kids to watch. But like Inside Out's talking about like depression and kids and dealing with your yeah. emotions. That's not letting go of your childhood. Yeah, like it's not a kids movie. So it just yeah. So I mean, it's hard ranking Pixar movies now because there's so many of them. It's twenty three. This is this is by far one of their best. It is. I agree. I thought it was great. I think all of his movies are are up there in the best. Like this guy is really, really good at making a a good movie. Like not a good Pixar movie, but a good movie. Like I really like the uh, the fact that you see all of these. It was just really interesting because as as a theme goes, it might be a little spoilery, I guess, but it's a Pixar movie. It's an hour and a half. Like watch it. Like what's wrong with you? If you haven't watched it now, it's on Disney Plus. You're probably a subscriber. It's five bucks. Yeah. So, again, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. We're gonna go spoil it. So fun. Very minor though, because they show one perspective of him seemingly wasting his life. Yeah. And doing all these things in one scene. And then at the end, when you see all these things, they're literally the same thing, but you see him finding enjoyment out of those things. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean. This is why this is an and adult. That was, that was great. I thought I was like, oh, this is this is so good. You're not wasting your it's never a waste of life if you're like you're doing like there's good and bad of everything. And the same thing of like you, you get to the you get to the mountaintop and then you realize, huh, I thought it would feel different. Yeah. Like that's that's a dull I mean, I feel that in my own career. Right? Like you get to the top and you go, huh, I made it. And you're like, huh. Figured it would have been a little different. This isn't exactly how I expected it to be. Like it's just it's life. It's what everyone goes through, and it's just that's again they're just very good. Like Pixar makes good movies. I've never again other than the Good Dinosaur, and I haven't actually seen Cars three, or Cars two or three. But like for the most part, you watch the movies and you get something. It's enjoyable. You get something out of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, thought it was great, and I'm sure. It, it, it's maybe some, but again, they put a different enough twist on it. They put different themes in there. They put different voices, different people, and it works. Yeah. Can you guess the the scene that resonated most with me? Uh, the food scene. Yeah, eating that pie. Damn right. <laughs> yeah, but it's and again, I just enjoyed as well. Like Pixar tends to not do like cities that you know of, and them actually capturing New York City. I thought it was great because it felt exactly like New York City feels like that. Like normally in movies, you can tell it's like this is New York, but it's also on a film set, and this is an animated way of showing New York, and it was great. Yeah, the art was the the technical achievement here was unbelievable. It was crazy how good just the streets and the feel and the atmosphere and the look. It was perfect. Like the look was really nailed. Like I have no there. There's everything about it was was hitting the nail on the head. It was great. Really great in its atmosphere. I thought it felt like I because I didn't know what the movie was about, the first 20 minutes or so was a little jarring because I was like, what where are we going with this? I didn't really understand it. But that's fine. Cause it really it just nailed everything else. And and by that point, once you get there, it was it, they just uh they really stuck the landing and it was it was really quick. It's good. It's just a great movie. Yeah, great and movie. Look, 
fact that and the fact that like they're they're finding different. I mean, this is a movie. This is a black movie. It's got Felicia Rashad in it. You put her in a movie, like Jamie Foxx, Felicia Rashad, Quest Love is in there. Like it's just it's full of different people. Just like Coco was full of, it's looking at a different culture and actually doing it in a way that you're like, okay, yeah, this is great. Like Coco is great. That movie is awesome, and it's going through the entire Dia de los Muertos and the whole you know, like the Day of the Dead stuff, and it leans into it in a very respectful way. Yep. So, like, it's just, it's just like they've got a knack for doing this, and I think it's they just got the barbershop. They got the barbershop in there. It's just, it's just all of it. Like, it's just they yeah. just do a very good job of, um, yeah. It's just, it's just a, they just do a good job. Like, it's hard to tell. <laughs> like, it's hard to, to criticize Pixar movies. I find it really hard to criticize their movies. Yeah, you can't, you can't really criticize. You can only, uh, you know. Praise it so much before you can just so much. Of it. Go watch it. And there's no need to spoil it. You go watch it. It's good. Exactly. Watch it. It's good. It's good stuff. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the games I've been playing so well here. I've played. Uh, so I played through Call of the Sea on Xbox. It's also it's on Game Pass. And that that game was really cool. It's a. It's like an old school style adventure game. No combat or anything. It's more about puzzle solving and narrative. It's very much inspired by or it has similar themes to um, The Shape of Water in a way. But it's very pretty. Great narrative. Um, I'm just tired of of games and it's just it's a lot of games. Games don't have happy endings anymore. No. Like, <laughs> no, they like, don't. What the f- like? What the hell happened to the happy ending? It just doesn't exist. Every time you play through this game, you put in like whatever. Like th- this one was quick. This one was like maybe six hours or so, if that. And you go through this journey. Everything seems good, and there's like you get a choice of endings at the end, and they're both kind of ones. One's bittersweet, and one's I guess they're both bittersweet. They're both like, all right, I guess that's good, but man, I feel bad. Like a lot of these games, like I, I, I just in general, I put through, like I sent you the list of all that I've I compiled. Now that we're in 2021, I've compiled all the games I've completed this year. And Is this the most games you've ever completed? In a year? Probably. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played through as much. I mean, I could look. I didn't. I have the list from 2019, but I think just by looking at it. Just keep a tab for the year. Yeah, I have to. I have to do it because before I just kept it in notes. Today, I just put all that stuff in a spreadsheet so I could easily count the platforms breakdown. Maybe I should make stuff. a resolution. Try to get through a game a week. Actually finish games. <laughs> it's difficult. Like, I don't think any of these, some were a weekend, but some were like a month. But looking at these games, like I'm just thinking like, what was a happy ending? Plague Tale? No, that game started depressing and ended depressing. Well, that was a somewhat happy ending, I guess. Like, what do you consider a happy ending? Like Ghost of Tsushima obviously is on your list. Was that a happy ending? It was, no, that was, that was depressing. There was no good outcome for that. I mean, there, you, there's a happy ending in that you you liberate Tsushima. Spoiler alert! But that's the fucking end of the game. That's the whole point. Um, but that whole thing that the choice they have to make at the end—I don't want to spoil it—but that choice you make at the end is not is not great. The way your relationships end with all these people—it was just like kind of sad. Did you forget? Hey, oh no, Hades is on this list. Don't tell me because I'm close to beating it. Of what the ending is, it seems like it might get a little sad. Um, but Hades as loan is already about, it's a bit sad. Like the theme of it is it's fun and it's lighthearted, but it's also kind of like dealing with like 
family issues. So it's not, it's not like, yay, we escaped and everyone's happy. It's like, oh, we escaped and there's bigger issues about my existence and my mom and all this. Like it turns into that, right? Like it's so, I wouldn't call that a happy game. Either. I won't spoil the ending, but like Paper Mario didn't even have a happy ending. Like Paper <laughs> Mario, I guess, yeah, Mario had a happy ending, but then, you know, there's another character in it who you're like, oh, that was sad. Like there's, there's sadness that too. It's like, where, where's just like the feel goods? But where, this where is, are the feel goods? I would say that film has the same problem. Like there's more movies made that are more sad ending and a bit of depressing and more of those types of things versus like upbeat, happy endings. Like it does. Why is that? Because it seems like a more modern phenomenon. I think it is. And I think it's just because people are more willing to talk about depression and sadness than they ever have been. Right. Like movies are no longer an escape. They're a way to feel. Which is very interesting to me because I see this stuff as an escape. I want to be happy. I mean, me and Alice have this issue where we watch movies. She wants to watch something that's going to make her cry and sad. And I want to watch something that's fun. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't want to spend my time watching movies feeling sad. I want to spend my time watching Tom Cruise, you know, run across a building and break his ankle. Or, like, even, like, Edge of Tomorrow, right? Like, that movie generally kind of ends with a, like, it's, hey, we did it. We saved it. Yeah, and it's hopeful. Yeah, it's got a hopeful ending. Like, I, just give me some of that. Just give me a hopeful ending. And like, I feel like it's just general the way media is going, where we're just not really doing hopeful endings. It's like, well, let's think about the cost of what what we've done here. Like, that's what it is. Like, it's the cost of the cost of liberation in Ghost Tsushima was you basically had to either kill your uncle or banish him in the middle of nowhere. Like, it turned into that stuff, right? Like, that's what the game ends on. It's like these choices you've made have consequences, and it's like, how about the choices we make don't have consequences when playing a game? But no, it could have consequences, but like, all right, save that shit for the sequel. Give me a fucking happy ending here, and then give me that shit at the next one. Like, I you, mean, you, always, you have all these options for endpoints, right? And Last of Us 2 is like the perfect example of like, really? Oh, dude, Last of Us 2, but that's what brought me down with Last of Us 2. It's just, it was, it was that the entire game, and it was exhausting. It's, that it's was exhausting. the problem. The exhausting thing I've ever played. For as much as a technical achievement, and as much as I actually liked the gameplay of Last of Us, like I can't knock the merits of how good of a game that is, but I can not find comfort in the feeling I had playing it. And that never, I was, I'll never yeah, play me either. Zero interest in playing. It's exhausting. It was great. It was fun. To, it was fun while you were in it. I don't necessarily want to keep doing that. Like that's not a replayable game. Where like you kind of want games you can start over and have fun with, and that's not what that is. Yeah, but like some, yeah, there, there, there's like a sprinkling of them here, and I guess some are kind of hopeful. But like, yeah, my favorite, the, the only ending here that really gave me like the feel goods at the end, Yakuza like a dragon. That one, uh, that whole game was kind of a wild romp, and there, and there was definitely some moments where you're like, well, that's sad, that's sad. But at least they ended it on a note that was, it wasn't the last thing that happened where it's like, oh my god, it was like they give you that, and then they give you the happy stuff, and you're like, oh, well, now I'm feeling pretty good about all this. Thirteen Sentinels that actually had a happy ending too. Um, so yeah, there, there's some of this stuff in there, but it's so few and far between. It's definitely an exception to the rule that. It now it, it and I don't know what the purpose of if it's all just for the sake of trying to be edgy or for so long we had so many of these things that oh we're gonna now we're going against the grain by not having this happy ending but at this point you're more it's more surprising to get a happy hopeful ending than a than one that's like oh but here's a thing that happened to just kind of throw you off a loop it's like everything has to have that that spinning top moment in a way from inception 
and everything has to feel edgy. But now that edgy ending doesn't feel edgy. It's just like, really? You can do this shit again? And that's that's honestly what it's starting to feel like when I when I finish these games. But, you know, I started with talking about Call of the Sea. Overall, the experience was great and it was cool. Um, and then the other thing I played through was Gears 5 Hive Busters, which you want to talk about like a, a B action movie style feel to it. I loved every minute of this. This is like a three hour expansion for Gears, Gears 5. And it's amazing. Looks beautiful on the Series X. And just a really fun cast of characters, uh, super light, fluffy, and uh, at a good time. So um, that one was great. But that's a series that always pedals in in misery and about to lose. And this one was actually very much like bubblegum, fun, nonsense. But it worked worked out well. And what I, but the most interesting thing about this list of games that I've played through and completed is that it started off playing Death Stranding, which is a game where you play a uh, play a delivery man in a in a post of it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic setting where everybody lives underground in isolation. So very much a, and I played a, a plague tale innocent. So those are two games that I played before Pando really got into the full swing of things. And who knew if, if uh, that I was foreshadowing this by my choice of games, what was I to come fair to say though, that switch dominates your platform. Well, the reason why is because I play two games at once, typically one game on switch and one game at home. So but even the fact like you weren't traveling nearly as much as you travel now. And switch was still a preferred console. Again, there's two things I've been really wrong about in life. Well, like really, really wrong about Deadpool was one. <laughs> yeah. You were really wrong about I, that. I really wrong you about lost that. that one. Yep. I remember it, I was really, really, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've been, I mean, you can probably, you probably know if I've been like dead wrong about a lot of stuff. I was dead wrong about the switch. I was a hundred percent wrong about that thing. Um, it's pretty amazing how wrong I was. <laughs> like, like I was astronomically wrong about the switch's success as a console. It's still the most, it's the, it was the best selling console over the holiday season. I understand that sure Xbox and you can't find them and stuff, but still like the switch is still dominating the market. And I'd argue the Switch is the most underpowered thing, even from PS4 standards. Yep, and absolutely. Great. But again, it's just like, I'm, those are two things that I remember. Deadpool and the Nintendo Switch being successful are the two things I was dead a uh, thousand percent wrong on. Yeah. But what happened was when I was in March, in, well, starting in March, when I was staying at, uh, staying at my family's place, was basically between the hours of seven and nine that was switch time. And then between, because we'd all be watching those, uh, you know, prime time game shows, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, and then whatever came after that. So I was playing my switch. And then between nine and 11, I'd play PS4 or Xbox, depending on that. So there was, there was this rhythm where it was equally allocated, even though I wasn't going anywhere, those divisions were still there. Yeah. And, but some of those, and then if it was a weekend, like something like, um, like Ita, Rive, and what was the other one um, that I, it was pretty Blood Roots. Those were all games that I finished in in a weekend. So those are those are really quick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was there's some. Uh, this is this is one of the best year of games ever, and it could not have been more at a better time than to come now. Like. If this is a shitty year for games on top of a already shitty year, that would be uh, 
that would be really upsetting. But the fact that we got so much good content. Yeah, but you and also got two new systems. So like I think it's going to be pretty good. It didn't even matter. Nothing is exclusive to those systems except for uh um except for Demon Souls on PS5. Otherwise, there's no game that you can play on those systems that you can't play on another. Well, I guess Godfall, but no one seems to like that. So <laughs> So that's fine. But everything else like Miles Morales, you can play it on PS4. Gears 5, what I just mentioned, you can play it on every... every there's no game that's Series X exclusive. Hmm. So, yeah, that, that didn't even matter. None of my games of the year were on PS5 or Series X, let alone exclusive. So... Yeah, yeah it should be an interesting happened. year next year. I, I won't get a PS5 until it's widely available because I'm well, not by this right. time next week. I should have mine. We'll yeah. see if FedEx is believed, believed. Good. We can hear a review from your, your first week, your first weekend of PS five. And next time we record. Well, no, I'm not going to get it until Wednesday. So it'll be like the first 24, 48 hours, but yeah, I'll give my feedback, play through Astrobot, Astro, Astro's rescue mission or whatever that is. I'm looking forward to playing that the most actually see what this new controller is all about. The dual sense, which is also the name of a condom. Is this also the first year of the podcast? Like, when did this podcast start? Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, this year. Uh, well, 2020. Yeah, we started in 2020. Look at that. And we've got how many episodes? 40 some odd episodes. Pretty good. 47. 47. 47 episodes. So, yeah. Onward and upward. Exactly. So, that's it. Anything else you want to talk about? Nope. That's it. I'm hungry. Right. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm going to eat the hell out of this steak. It's going to be awesome gonna be some time though takes takes process i gotta make some veggies that's what takes the longest but anyway till next week go uh you know happy new year everybody embrace your your identity don't be thinking you got to change it but if you want to change it go ahead no one's going to stop you and if you really want to change your name to something really impactful and powerful change your name to he's abroad and when people say why did you change your name to he's abroad you say well because it's a good podcast you can go and He's abroad.com. You see all the links there. You can listen to it there if you want, but you should also go on iTunes, review it, tell everybody about it. And hey, you know, just just call me He's Abroad forever moving forward because that's that's who I am and that's what I care about. It's a little Tommy boy. It doesn't matter. This podcast is over. <laughs>